0: Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we are going through the Divisional Round, everybody. I know your fantasy football season-long leagues have ended, but we still got DFS. We still got gambling. We still got good, old-fashioned, real-life football. So I want to go through everything that's on the agenda for the Divisional Round, but we do only have four games left, so I want to also touch on some of the more just league-wide news that has dropped over the past week. So very special guest is here to help me accomplish these tasks, Senior Fantasy analyst for Sports Illustrated and FSWA Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. No, Michael, what's going on, man? Happy Divisional Round
1: week. Yeah, man. This is like the most fun week of the postseason because, you, you know, you've got you got all the stud teams. You got the Browns in there. Can they can they knock off the Chiefs after what happened last week? And, you know, the Rams going into Lambeau. This is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I like that. I feel like the pretenders are out of here, you know, having the extra wild card team. We had, you know, the John Wolford
0: uh, matchup gone last week, Taylor Heineke, yeah. uh Heineke. Hey, credit to them for kind of exceeding expectations. He was pretty
1: good. I mean, I, I made an argument on uh, my fantasy dirt show on Sirius XM because I'm a Cowboys fan, as you can yeah. tell. And I did not want anything to do with the playoffs. None. I'd rather have, give me the 10th overall pick rather than a playoff spot where I didn't deserve it and get my ass handed to me <laughs> in the first round, which I think Dallas would have uh, inevitably had happened to them. Washington played Tampa tough, though. But, that's, kind of, that's kind of what made
0: the entire Giants uproar M- make so little sense to me the whole time. Like, you guys are complaining this much just to get dealt this first round loss?
1: Here, here's what's going to happen. They're going to end up getting a really good player at 11 overall, and all the Giants fans are going to go crazy. And then I'm going to go on Twitter and be like, you guys remember – Earlier on, when I said I'd rather have the pick than the playoff berth, yeah, okay.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> Literally three months ago, you have to go back for that one. But yes, NFC East aside, we finally have that dumpster fire division out of the picture. So yeah. we will be focusing on a few other things in this one. I prepared 10 questions for Michael and myself to discuss, and we will get to those right now, everybody. So first off, the Bears... Bring him back, general manager Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy, much to the, you know, just general hatred of the entire Bears public, it seems like. So another season, no clear solution under center. Allen Robinson's days appear to be numbered. Now, again, getting away from this dumpster fire that is the Chicago Bears, where would you most like to see Allen Robinson end up in 2021 from a best case fantasy football perspective?
1: So there's a few teams, but the problem is that the teams that I'm thinking don't have quarterback situations that are set right now. Like the Colts would be a good spot, but I don't know if Rivers is going to be back. Maybe it's Carson Wentz. The Jaguars would be a nice spot, although I don't know if you'd want to go back to Duval County, Trevor Lawrence. The Patriots should be in the mix, but I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Maybe it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it'll be Matt Ryan. Maybe something crazy will happen. And then the Jets, but I don't know what their quarterback situation is either. So when you're looking at the money, the Ravens, the Dolphins are also, uh, I probably i probably have to say that if it was right now, the most attractive, it would be Baltimore with Lamar Jackson under center. But those, you know, those other teams that I mentioned could end up being in better situations at the quarterback position as we get through the offseason and ultimately be better landing spots for AROP. I just hope he's out of Chicago. Just the poor guy. He's had Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and Mitchell Trubisky, and he's still been great.
0: You you can even go back further, man. We can go back to Jacksonville where you had Bortles and uh, Chad Henney. Hell, go back to Penn State. Matt McGlorn and Christian Hackenberg. We need Alan Robinson to find a quarterback. Hackenberg. I hope. I hope A. Rob lets all the cards fall, and then he goes wherever the hell Deshaun Watson is because Deshaun Watson lost his number one wide receiver in Hopkins somehow got better. I think bringing in a true alpha number one wide receiver like A. Rob will get the best out of both players. So wherever Deshaun Watson goes will be my pick. I love the Ravens call. Look at Josh Allen getting Stephon Diggs, Kyler Murray getting DeAndre Hopkins, Baker getting OBJ. Even though that didn't work out quite as well as we wanted, like give these young quarterbacks a legit alpha number one wide receiver. And you know, I sent this out about hoping. Lamar Jackson to get a number one. Everyone just said, "Oh, you know why he's not? It's going to be wasted. He's a running back under center." All those mean things that we want to say about Lamar Jackson, his ability to throw the ball, also applied to Josh Allen last year. Look at what Stefan Diggs did there. So, yeah, Allen Robinson, the Ravens. You know, I think that would be almost even help Hollywood Brown as more of a number two than uh, you know b- being pigeonholed
1: in that number one role. Yeah, because he's not a number one. He's a he. He could be a really good number two, but he's certainly not a number one. And then you, you draw away number one corners from him too. That should help his value as well. Hundred percent. Got some playmakers on that Ravens offense already, but they're missing oh, dude. one. J.K. Dobbins. I I have a I have a very creepy, unhealthy man crush on J.K. <laughs> Dobbins. I have ever since he came out of college. Love, <laughs> love that kid. That dude knows how to jump cut. That is for
0: sure. All right, so uh, some uh, AFC North news here. Ben Rossberger's contract runs through the end of 2021. Got some A plus uh, off season coach speak from uh, Mike Tomlin and over the past week, where he said it's reasonable to assume there's a chance Ben Rossberger is going to be back. Certainly. Thanks a lot, Mike. That really gives us a lot of clarity on situation. We had some offensive coaches fall out today, but for now, let's assume Big Ben is back next season. That Juju Smith Schuster in the final year of his deal is gone. What general ranks would you then treat Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool? Because, man, we're looking at one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league, and if you take away a target hog like Juju, that's the exact volume we're
1: looking for in fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Deontay was the wide receiver 21, but he was fifth among wide receivers in targets per game, averaging right around 10. Claypool was the wide receiver 23, you know, had the 11 touchdowns. Uh, Juju had a 20% target share. You get rid of that thing, that's 128 targets left behind. With Ben Roethlisberger slinging it, and they were throwing it, you know, sixty-eight percent of the time down the stretch, it was just bananas. So I'd say Deontay Johnson would be, at worst, uh, a mid to high wide receiver two, because the targets are going to be there. Hell, he he could break into the top into the top twelve easily Good. without Juju. And then Claypool would would also be in that wide receiver two conversation, probably mid to back end of the wide receiver two uh, uh, rankings. But both would, would see certainly uh, uh, increases in value without Juju, and I wonder if Juju—he's got a little stink on him now <laughs> with, with what he said against Cleveland, and uh, you know uh, Pittsburgh's cap situation is not good. So maybe maybe they decide that it's uh, it's time to part ways. It's interesting
0: with Juju. He had such a great start to his career. And then Antonio Brown leaves. Never wants to say that's why he hasn't been producing. Look, it hasn't helped Juju. I think we can all agree he's probably not this just clear-cut number one that can shift coverage the way someone like Antonio Brown can. But he just hasn't even looked the same, like, athletically. And maybe it just has been injuries. He was on the injury report throughout this entire year with a knee. But whatever it was, I mean, that yak ability just wasn't there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. if he is out of the picture. You know, I've been calling Deontay potentially a 2021 version of 2019 19, Chris Goblin, 2020, Calvin Ridley, just the young rising third year mm-hmm. receiver that has all these targets incoming. coming. But like you said, he already had 144 targets last year. Like maybe A the lot. real beneficiary could be Claypool. Cause to, to your point, yeah. I have, I agree. I have both these guys in that wide receiver two range, but when we start getting the ADPs coming out, I would not be shocked at all to see Claypool more in that round five, six range, Deontay much higher up. So even mm-hmm. though they might be close, Claypool might be
1: the one that's the real value we should get behind early. Could be, yeah, because Deontay is certainly going to be the one that everyone's going to jump on board with uh, after all the targets i it's funny because i compared him to antonio brown uh last year eh, boy big ben fell in love with him i mean he had tunnel vision with that kid uh, I, I think the only game he didn't have double digit targets over the second half was when he got benched in that game where he dropped the pass was it against buffalo i can't remember off the top of my head i think it was but he's just a target hog yeah. Yeah drops not ideal everybody but you know yeah you go, no, you, i mean you know it's all good i'll tell you what you go back and look at the leaderboards for
0: drops over the past 10 years you're going to see a lot of great NFL wider series yeah, that dude. just had those. julian edelman, edelman last season. year yeah there we go there we go all right so jaguars suddenly to talk of the league trevor lawrence photoshops are everywhere we're all assuming he's going to go there number one right. urban meyer buzz increasing by the day we're recording this podcast at 3 p.m on thursday afternoon so if the news breaks he's in jacksonville don't blame us now it certainly does seem to be the case though uh, as it stands so let's assume Urban and Lawrence both wind up in Jacksonville. What are your general year one expectations for this offense? If those
1: two things play out? Well, there's a lot that can happen. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Jaguars a little bit uh, later on too in, in the pod, but you know, they were 28th in total offense. Their defense gave up the second most points. They gave up the second most yards. I, you, you know, you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, Jake Luton and, and, and Glennon and, and Gardner Minshew who, uh, you know, he'll, he'll he'll be what he is. He'll be a backup quarterback, which is kind of what he should have been in the first place. With Lawrence, James Robinson, they've got a whole bunch of cap money, a whole, like more cap money available than any team in the National Football League, uh, according to SpotRack. That Jaguars offense could end up being a lot of fun to watch. It could go from Wasteland to... An absolute just cornucopia of fantasy points in production. You've got, and again, uh, there's a question you're going to ask me a little bit later on in the pod where I'm going to break down a little bit more about the Jaguars, but you know, are they going to go in and be a top 10 offense like in the first year? I mean, okay. Maybe that's a little, that's a little too extreme, but you know, they have, they have to fix the offensive line. They've got to make sure that they keep Trevor Lawrence upright, but I'll tell you, man, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's, he's tremendous. Uh, you're, You're talking about Andrew Luck type upside in the national football league and they've got dough to spend and they've got young players in tow. They just need to make a few adjustments and suddenly the Jaguars could end up being, you know, remember back in the day and not, maybe you don't remember. I don't know how how old you are, (laughs) but Mark Brunel and Fred Taylor and Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell. I mean, they had, they had some pretty good players uh, on those Jaguars teams early on in that franchise's history. It's not the most loaded offense right now, but we still got James Robinson,
0: DJ Chark, but it could be. and it could be it could exactly be. all that cap room. Go get a reunion with Allen Robinson, only a mm-hmm. move or two away from honestly being a pretty steady offense. And I think the year one expectations for Trevor Lawrence in particular deserve to be high before this last season, I had gone through every rookie QB that had been a QB one just, you know, in their first year in the league and the yep. two, two main similarities, they had to be a week one starter. You know, you just need to be out there on the field and they had, and rush exactly it was usually 25 rushing yards per game in college was like that threshold that Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson all those back, yeah
1: I mean you can go back RG3 like you said Russell Wilson, Vince Young I mean yeah Cam, Dak like it's all about running the football, all about running that ball. And Justin Herbert kind of sort of snapped it. But as we saw in the NFL, like his athleticism almost just
0: wasn't being tapped as much as what he had. So Lawrence mm-hmm. comes in at 24 rushing yards per game. You know, we saw Burrow over that mark, too. I think Trevor Lawrence could be a top 12 fantasy QB as early as 2021. We'll need to look at the schedule. You know, some things get funky mm-hmm. and we'll see who exactly they add. But yes, I feel like Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense, probably a situation we're better off betting on sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, yeah, without question. And I, I'm working on the FPA stuff, strength of schedule, uh at the quarterback position, going through all the positions. Uh the Jaguars, believe it or not, at least and this is early. I'm looking into this early. Uh they they have got the easiest schedule among Woo-hoo. quarterbacks. It's the all easiest coming to Jags, Patriots, Steelers, Saints, Rams right now uh, are the top five. My, my fingers are getting itchy to draft them in best balls
0: uh, already. Do yeah. not wait on this, people. Year yeah. one, Trevor Lawrence, guy can make it happen. All right, moving on to the West Coast. So Seattle is part of ways with offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Due to philosophical differences, somehow the guy didn't run the ball enough for Pete Carroll's pleasing, which is ridiculous. But you know mm-hmm. what? That's what happens. So Carroll put out a pretty wild statement about his desire to further run the ball in 2021. It's concerning, man. We saw the entire second half of the year where Russ was not cooking the same Metcalf lock. It fell off. How concerned are you with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's fantasy potential ahead of 2021?
1: So the, the numbers were interesting, right? Uh, they were 14th in pass percentage and 19th in rush percentage in the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, and then after that, they threw it uh, 59% of the time. They were 61% of the time there. Um, uh, they went six and one in, in that time frame. They were scoring 34 points a game. And then week nine on, they threw it 59% of the time they were scoring 24 points a game and they went six and three. Chris Carson's a free agent. Carlos Hyde is a free agent. I would assume they'll bring Carson back. I don't think he's going to, I don't think a lot of people are going to be opening up the checkbook for him. Like I know he's still relatively young, but he hasn't been durable. So, but, but Carson, even, even when they were throwing the ball, like, like more, he was pretty good. I mean, he's putting up good numbers. So I'm not real. Chris Carson's an RB two. He's not going to be an RB one. Maybe there were, that was a pipe dream coming into this season, but he, he's an RB two. I think he'll remain an RB two, but Seattle's got to figure out what they're going to do in terms of that uh, backfield, because they've, they've got uh, you know, they've got Carson coming out as a free agent. Again, I, I would be surprised if, if he's not in a Seahawks uniform next season.
0: I do wonder how much of that was a shift you know just in the coaching staff saying we want to run the ball more and how much of that was able to happen because they freaking Mm -hmm. ended the year Eagles Giants Jets Washington Rams 49ers like we saw in the wild card round you know okay Russell Wilson didn't throw the ball well because he was facing the juggernaut that is the Rams defense but I think maybe we're going to see Metcalf Lockett, and even Russ slip down you know maybe the wide receivers in that mid-tier wide receiver two back end range Russ more borderline QB1 Mm -hmm. and you know we we're going to hear all these talks about them wanting to run the ball. It might just take one good offense to take advantage of this still very mess Seattle defense to get Russ and them back to cooking. So, yep, you know, yep. not looking like the top five options that we saw for so long this year, but wouldn't be surprised if with some of this coach speak, we see them eventually get undervalued because man, look at every single year of Russell Wilson's career. The guy's been a QB one. He's going to be carrying at least one wide receiver along with him.
1: Yeah. And DK, I love, I, I loved him coming into the season. I thought he'd break out. I, I didn't, I didn't know that he'd break out to that extent. Yeah, down the stretch he he wasn't all that great, but overall, I mean, this guy's like Terrell Owens part two. Uh, I love him.
0: It is absurd what Metcalf has done and yeah I mean I mean you can look at week 17 where he had nine targets three catches 21 yards that's honestly like the one game I saw this year where I thought he actually you could say maybe he got shut down because so many of these games against Ramsey against Peterson like Russ mm-hmm. just won't give him more than three or four targets yeah. I don't know how you can really say that you know they shut him down in those spots so yeah. certainly interesting uh, thing to keep an eye on throughout this offseason uh, last offseason topic before we get into some mm-hmm. divisional round stuff so Joe Burrow hoping to resume throwing in mid-February barring a setback he seems Lucky's he's going to be on track for week one. Bengals offensive line didn't make this job easy for anyone last year, but you know, yeah. plenty of firepower receiver in the backfield. So dynasty perspective, moving forward, how many QBs right now, if you had a dynasty startup draft, would you want ahead of Joe Burrow?
1: So Mahomes, Josh Allen, I I'd go Kyler, Lamar, Deshaun, Dak. I'd go Justin Herbert. And then maybe the only other quarterback who I might consider is Trevor Lawrence. And I didn't mention Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, as great as he is, is so unreliable. Like that guy is all or nothing. He drives me nuts every (laughs) single year. Remember beginning of the year, everyone, Oh, 14 touchdowns and three guys. Awesome. Yeah. Second half of the season. How'd he do? And a lot of times Russell has started off slowly and then had great finishes. So, but Burrow would be in that QB eight, QB nine, QB 10 range in my dynasty rankings.
0: I think you're spot on item has QB 10. I would still go Russ just ahead of him. I think it's a little more proven at this point, but people mm-hmm. burrow, he had some duds, you know, the Steelers Ravens, some of these teams that could just really dominate the line of scrimmage brought out the worst in him, but just that volume, he had some of the rushing ability and, and, and he's just, still
1: a rookie and he's a exactly. rookie for crying out loud, you know, and like T Higgins is going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, they, they've got to add some more weapons. They've got Mixon in the mix there too. They, that offensive line, that's what they need. They, they need to just go hard on the offensive line. And, maybe, and protect that kid
0: or maybe maybe get a certain tight end mr kyle pitts out of florida to just oh, dude, add like, to it. Yeah, yeah
1: every young quarterback's favorite toy is that is that uh is that <laughs> tight end i know that, that my friends that are jaguars fans are like looking at him in the second round though he's, he's that one
0: player where i think every single fan base is just hoping he falls through and yeah, then exactly. whoever gets him is going to be very happy about it so yep. All right, everyone. That was most of this news. Again, I wanted to catch up because we've been focusing so much on the playoffs, but now let's get back to the main event. I want to talk about this Chiefs offense first because that was some inconsistency throughout the second half of the season, facing a Browns defense getting a little bit healthier at the right time with the returning Denzel Ward. Still, we got a week high 57 point game total. Vegas is expecting a shootout. We're expecting a shootout, but Cleveland is easily the biggest underdog of the week at 10 and a half points. Are we giving the Browns enough uh, respect here? We got OBJ coming out and saying they're going to win. I don't know, man. You know, it's Surprise all of us, I think. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the Browns' chances of shocking the world
1: here? I, it would be hard for me to say they'd win, but, I mean, the Raiders went in and won this year uh, or last year at Arrowhead. So, like, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But the 10 and a half, like, let's look at the totals, not including Week 17 because Kansas City didn't play anybody, right? They beat Carolina by two, the Raiders by four, the Bucks by three, the Broncos by six, the Dolphins by six, the Saints by three, and Atlanta by three. That's not a lot. <laughs> they, they haven't beaten a team by double digits uh, dating back to week, but week nine was the last uh, the last game uh, on my list, and all six points or fewer they have won those games by. And I and mean, the Browns are going to come in feeling disrespected. At Vegas thinks Baker is Baker is an interesting case study for me this week. He's averaging fewer than eighteen a game on the road. Kansas City's averaging 19 uh, or fewer allowed to quarterbacks at Arrowhead. But at a 57 total, what are the chiefs going to win, you know, 50 to 10? Like, I mean, Cleveland's going to score. So Baker, I believe is the second cheapest quarterback on DK this week. And I mean, even if it's garbage time points, hell, he could put up 20. And, And again, it's, it's, it's sort of the numbers versus, well, look at what the total is and how much of that 57 is Cleveland going to get. So that, that, that's going to be uh, that's going to be something that I'm going to be certainly watching this week, but could it be a closer game than we're anticipating? Yeah. I mean, hell, look what we learned last week, with Pittsburgh, jeez, the weeks. <laughs> so, and, but, but I will say this Cleveland has to turn the chiefs over, which the chiefs don't, they don't give the ball away that much. The chiefs have to protect Mahomes, which they've done for the most part. So Cleveland's going to have to do something. A lot of teams have not been able to do pressure Patrick Mahomes and get him to turn the ball over. I mean, you got to win special teams. You got to win the time of possession battle. So tough tasks, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, and to your point, like they
0: haven't, Browns, you know, Chiefs haven't been winning games like that, and the Browns haven't been really losing games. You got to go back to week six and week one when they got blown out against the Steelers and Ravens, and they came back against those very teams later and proved that they're much more competitive they're, now. They're a 12-win so. team. Like, I mean, they've won 12 games this year, so... PFF's only offensive line in our database to grade out the end end of the regular season as the number one unit in pass blocking and run blocking. It's unfortunate they're not at 100%, but yeah, you know, Baker and them, they can put up points. We've seen that and Mm -hmm. I love centering these stacks around Baker and company. He's so cheap. Donovan Peoples-Jones at 3000 I think is the cheapest guy you can really find at any position. And you know, uh, Jarvis Landry or Shard Higgins, you can do that. Bring him back potentially with Claude Everett's lair Keep an eye on the practice report right when we got on this podcast. We found out he got downgraded to a DMP, but you know it's awfully expensive to get up there to Mahomes, uh, Tyreek, and Kelsey. I get mm-hmm. it, but don't be afraid to maybe fade that quarterback, particularly in GPPs. Baker and company certainly have plenty of chance of putting up points themselves. Yeah. I want to talk about this Rams-Packers game a little bit. Aaron Donald. As McVay called him, the Terminator, he is good to go for Saturday. Dude's been PFS number one grade defender, five years running, certainly the engine that fuels the Rams' league best defense. However, Aaron Rodgers and company barely had a hiccup all season long, presently six-and-a-half-point favorites. Michael, do you think great offense beats great defense, or can you know Donald and company
1: keep things close? We are going to find out if the defense wins championships mantra actually is true this week, yeah. and this is the perfect example of a great offense against a great defense. Green Bay in its last twenty home games in the regular season and the playoffs uh, as a seven-point or less favorite, fifteen and five uh, against, and they're, they're they're seven and one against the spread in their last eight games. So typically, as a home favorite, once again seven points or under, they have done pretty well. Uh, the Packers have averaged the third most points among home offenses this year at 31.6. Rodgers has to play an awful game. Like, you know, you remember, you remember the Tampa Bay game? Like yeah. Rodgers has That's to the play. Only hiccup.
0: That was the only bad game. Rodgers
1: has to play horribly. Yeah. Devonte Adams. I, you're not going to stop him. I mean, a Jalen Ramsey is great and all I get it. DK had a pretty decent game last week, had a couple of touchdowns. That's going to be a fun battle to watch. Really. You have to, if you're the Rams, you've got to lean on Cam Akers because the Packers are tough, man. Jair Alexander's a hell of a corner. Uh, Their one issue there is they can't stop running backs. They've really struggled against running backs. So if Cam Akers can get 25 touches or more, which means that the Rams are probably in contention in terms of the time of possession battle, and you're keeping Green Bay's offense off the field, I think that's the only way the Rams win. And of course, you know, always trying to win on special teams think about this Jared Goff who I, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being I hate him as a fantasy quarterback I hate him. He is going into a game that could be below 30 where there could be snow this is a California kid with three pins in his thumb. How do you think that's gonna feel in 30 degree weather or colder ain't gonna feel good it's not gonna feel good I it, it would it would it would take a Pittsburgh, Cleveland-esque miracle for, to me, the Rams to beat the Packers. I, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of Jared Goff. That's just, Maybe that's just on me. It's
0: such an uphill climb. Looking yeah. at uh, our, our friends at playerprofiler.com, Jared Goff has nine inch hands, puts him in the fifth percentile, the bad fifth percentile, not the upper. You wonder, like, is he going to have to use, you know, two arms to kind of two hands on the ball in these uh, conditions to try to even throw it downfield? We just don't know. We've never, mm-hmm. never had to see this uh, California offense get too cold. I have seen the one stat being floated around, you know, under 40 degrees, golf. A lot of those games did come from his rookie year, and we don't like to talk about that Jeff Fisher experience. So, you're right, I didn't yeah. go too far on that. But with the th- with the pins, like you mentioned, in his hands, and just with this being a difficult pass game matchup, with Jair Alexander and company, I do have far more concerns about the Rams' ability to move the ball mm-hmm. than the Packers. The one kind of wild card I would say people should look out for, so the Rams this year, I think what's partly made them so good is that when they're facing runs, they've been able to stop opposing running games without overloading the box. Just 21% of the runs they've faced have had A-plus defenders in the box. The Broncos are number two all the way up to 29 percent But, you know, AJ Dillon, you freaking drafted this guy in the second round. They said the whole time, like, well, the things get snowy, you know, look out. We saw that in week 16. It did mm-hmm. work out great. In week 17, back to nothing. You know, I understand it's 2021 and passing the ball comes first, but I just wonder, you know, maybe that's the key to kind of taking it to his Rams defense, particularly if the offense can't hold the ball, wear them out. Give the ball to Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. I know you want Aaron Rodgers to touch as much as possible, but if there is a weakness for the Rams, it might be that front seven with a banged up Aaron Donald.
1: Yep. That's going to be an interesting um, situation in the offseason, too, because Aaron Jones is a free agent. Jamal Williams is a free agent. Did they let Jones walk? They keep Williams and then AJ Dillon becomes their RB one. Could very well happen. I mean, he's a second round pick. LaFleur likes those big running backs. Apparently, you know, Derek Henry of Tennessee uh, I, I would love to see Aaron Jones end up in Atlanta. I don't know if that'll happen, but that would be a great landing spot for him.
0: Cannot wait for uh, Jones to be out of the picture. Everyone get behind AJ Dillon. And then oh, dude, just works the, out the, the, guy. the Twitter love <laughs>
1: is going to just be unbearable for Dylan. If Jones leaves. <laughs> Oh, man, the guy does have
0: some fantastic, fantastic thighs. We got to give Those him that. <laughs> oh, <man.
1: laughs>
0: All right, so uh, next game. So we've got the second highest over-under featuring the Buccaneers and the Saints. Each team, Odell and QB, that's gone about picking up their yards much different this year. Real highs from TB12 throwing it downfield. Not particularly against the Saints defense, though. Will the third try be the charm for the Buccaneers against their NFC South
1: rival? Well, the, the first thing you would think of, it's really hard to beat a team three times in a season. But, I mean – then you go back and look, and it's happened quite. It's quite, It's happened quite a few times. I think the, the the last one might have been the Cowboys against the Eagles, if I remember correctly. But this, I mean, these guys are forty-eight combined, or I'm sorry, uh, eighty-five combined years old. Eighty-five. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> That's unreal. Uh, it's it is it's crazy. So I like both quarterbacks to put up good numbers. Uh, the last time Breeze played the Bucks, he had four touchdowns. The last time Brady played New Orleans in New Orleans, it was Week One, but he had over 20 points. The over is about 51 and a half, and I, so my pick officially is the Saints. But I had to make that pick with my guy Albert Breer over at Sports Illustrated because he's got a one-game lead on me after the Wild card weekend because oh. of the damn Rams <laughs> beat in Seattle. So he picked the Bucs and I'm like, well, I was going to pick the Bucs, but I I need to make it up, uh, make up that game. So I went with the Saints at some point, you know, something's going to happen with the Saints and everyone's going to say, oh, they're so snake bit in the postseason again, blah, 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 blah. I I do think this is going to be a high scoring game. The Saints defense has been sort of up or down uh, over the, over the second half of the season, you know, Tampa Bay's defense, has played well overall, but I mean, you know, Taylor Heineke looked pretty good against them. Of course, he, yeah. you know, he ran around with it a little bit. You're not going to see that very much uh, from Drew Brees, if at all. I, I this is going to end up being a high scoring game. I think this probably this and the Buffalo Baltimore game will be the two most enjoyable games for me to watch. And I think they could be, uh, you know, both games will be extremely competitive. I, I'd have to go back and look and I know it doesn't happen very often, but I wonder if, there's no way a quarterback's beating Tom Brady three times in a year. There's, it it can't, there's no way. I doubt anyone's even had the opportunity to. That's what I'm thinking too. That's what I'm thinking too. But Brady typically, you know, he's not going to lose to to a team three times in the same, in the same season. Although it could happen, but Brady's playing at a really high level right now. I mean, 23 plus points in four straight games. It's this one's going to be fun. He's coming on
0: really strong now. He's done it against some weak defenses, but you know what? Like he got two matchup against a Falcons defense that certainly looked like they were playing good ball against Patrick Mahomes and those Chiefs. So I think we're probably putting a little too much emphasis behind the strength of schedule, and we just got to realize that when the Buccaneers played the Saints this year, they played them in Week One with Tom Brady yep. under center uh-huh. for his first game, and then in Week Nine in their first game with Antonio Brown. So at a mm-hmm. minimum, I don't think we're going to see the you know two score blowout that we saw during their first two matchups. With that said, I think the Saints have have kind of defanged this uh, Buccaneers offense better than anyone because Brady has only gone two for nine on passes done at least 20 yards downfield against them now again was that because he played the Saints and probably the two games you wanted to catch them not having the chemistry very well could be but we have seen the Saints slow them down I think the Saints biggest issue in these past playoffs has been you know when you take away Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara who does Breeze go to is you know freaking 35 year old Ted Ginn or just whatever complimentary receiver you never heard of Mm -hmm. now we at least have Emmanuel Sanders Jared Cook, Adam Trotman, these guys have been making some plays. So I'm leading Saints minus three. Now I went freaking one for five in my playoff picks last week. So (laughs) it's pretty good if you pick the Buccaneers with that. But, you know, it's tough to beat a team three times. But when we've seen one of those teams look so convincing in the first two, I think it makes sense the Saints are favored.
1: No, home team. I mean, typically they say, you know, the three points, you know, the home team is going to get that regardless. So uh, Vegas sees this one as a very, very close game. I'll take the Saints too. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun. This could be Drew Brees' last game in the National Football League. <sighs> I loved uh, Sean Payton's idea, even though
0: it didn't work out, to, like, quarantine 50,000 fans in the Superdome. But... I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> know.
1: That's, that, that's never going to happen. Not, yeah, not no. Not now.
0: Yeah. Law- lawsuit just waiting to happen, but I appreciate yeah. going out no of the doubt. box trying to think no that doubt. way. Through. The season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store and now because you do not want to miss this people to celebrate Sunday's action DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100 that's right you bet they cover a risk-free Sunday betting additionally this weekend there is plenty of action to get on so head to the app now to start making it rain on top of those great sign up offers DraftKings offers great odds odds boost every Sunday to help you make it rain DraftKings is safe reliable and secure making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code pff and sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage, paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-NINE WITH IT. All right, so Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson signed me up, should be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Both are from the 2018 draft class. Both picked up their first playoff win last week. Both have faced criticism in their respective style of quarterbacking. So, you know, let's play Monday morning quarterback here on this Thursday Mm -hmm. afternoon. Give me your prediction for what Buffalo and Baltimore newspaper headlines
1: will be come Monday morning. I like the Bills. I've liked the Bills uh, ever since late in the season. They just were playing at such a high level. Kansas City's not been beating teams up, uh, you know, as as they did in the past. So I would say, and I'm going so, like, cliche here. (laughs) Nevermore Baltimore and Buffalo Stampede. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Those will be be the two headlines uh, for the respective papers in those cities. I had Buffalo, the year of Josh Allen, bring on
0: the Chiefs. And then in Mm -hmm. Baltimore, the Lamar Jackson experience sours when it matters most. That's my big concern here. If the bills do what I think we both think they're going to do and win this one, I think people are going to go and look back at this one Lamar Jackson game, no matter how it turns out Mm -hmm. and place the sole blame on him. Even though you can go back last year, he puts up over 500 total yards in a loss against the Titans. Those like 365 or something this year gets the job done on the ground, gets the win, And now his passing is a big problem again. Like, I think we can all admit that Lamar is not, you know, ever going to be this pinpoint elite passer from the pocket but we can't just ignore what the guy can do as a rusher
1: no matter how this game turns out mm-hmm. right yeah uh, absolutely absolutely but it was funny how fantasy twitter did you notice last week when the baltimore ravens were down 10 to and everyone was not me everyone was already burying them ah can't do it in postseason <laughs> It's gonna haunt him. It's over career. It's,
0: it's funny and, how the in-game tweeting works out, and how quick the hot takes are. I love it. Dude, but like we should almost yeah. like not hold anybody to what they say. People like.
1: people tend to forget that NFL games are four quarters in social, on social media. <laughs> Very often they do. Oh man, it's wild how quickly those storylines
0: yeah. change. All right, Michael. Last question here. Thank you again for the time, brother. So mm-hmm. we're getting a little quirky with this one. An alien shows up on your doorstep. Luckily, just a chill dude. You're not in harm. So, so, like- so it's
1: more like Al or ET exactly. than it is the alien.
0: E T and this thing just loves football and it just doesn't know anything about right. it. You're feeling generous. What team would you suggest to root for, for the next five years before it has to scatter back to some planet. And we are not including the Chiefs because nobody likes a front runner.
1: I can't say Cowboys as much as I love the Cowboys because I don't want to ruin alien human being relations <laughs> for the next five years because brave, brave. Jerry Jones is not in charge. The Cowboys are not winning anything. I'm going Jacksonville. Ooh, okay. This is, this is not, this team just won one game. Here, here's why the Jaguars have the number one overall pick. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. They have the Rams first and fourth round picks from the Jalen Ramsey trade. Uh, they've got the Vikings' second round pick uh, from the Janak, uh, Yannick and trade. I can never say that name. <laughs> uh, they've got Cleveland's fifth round pick uh, from the Ronnie Harrison trade. They've got the most cap room. In the entire National Football League at over $77 million. James Robinson was the RB7 in fantasy, and he missed the last couple of games with an injury. His base salary is $780,000. Chris Thompson, uh, Dariong Nwale, Dede Westbrook, Chris Connolly, Keelan Cole, all free agents. Brother, they got a clean slate. Clean slate with maybe the best quarterback to come out of college since Andrew Luck in their backfield. With a young running back, DJ Chark is still in the mix. And boy, LaVisca Chenault's got upside, man, in yeah. the NFL. They can bring in Allen Robinson or they could bring in Juju or maybe they can make a trade and get OBJ. Who Like, who knows? They could go out and get a like a stud number one wide receiver to pair with Chark. You could get it, you could get a tight end in the draft or you could go through. I, You know, Zach Ertz, he'll be floating out there, and he's not gonna stay in Philadelphia. So, you know, they 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 obviously have to improve their defense. Their defense is garbage, but they can do that through the draft and with all the dough they got. And you can't tell me now Urban Meyer, we assume he's gonna be a coach. Guy knows a thing or two about recruiting. Yeah, right. This is a little bit different. You're not recruiting kids, you're recruiting men, but you know, you got a lot of money to spend. They're going to be way more in national spotlight. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. I can see Jacksonville maybe not, maybe not contending for the playoffs next season, although who the hell knows, but I could see Jacksonville ending up being a contender in the AFC here in the next, you know, three to five years. If you want to talk about young quarterback, a good young running back, you got a lot of money to spend. You got a lot of flexibility under the cap. You've got, I mean, I know it's not like it doesn't have the panache of like Miami. It's still Florida. There's no state income tax there. The weather's nice. You got Trevor Lawrence under center. It's going to become a very, uh, a very more. Attra- it's going to be a much more attractive uh, destination for free agents and for rookies uh, coming in. So I, I would say Jacksonville. I I, I could have went Buffalo. But I, I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going as far from chalk as I can.
0: <laughs> I, I asked this question on Twitter. I gave my three options as the Bills, Ravens, Browns. Bills ran away with it. And while, you know, being a part of Bills Mafia would certainly be fun. Man, I didn't get the Jaguars enough credit here. I think you actually nailed it because while the Bills, Ravens, and Browns might be really fun right now, maybe even for these next few years, we've seen teams when their rookie quarterback has to go from that rookie deal to an actual long-term deal, have maybe a setback for a year or two. So if you just want to look at, you know, 20 2023 and beyond man jaguars are going to be in a hell of a position love yep. that call yep. michael that's going to do it man thank you all always uh, all you listeners out there for listening to pff fantasy football podcast make sure you follow michael on twitter at michael underscore fabiano and also check out everything he has going on at sports illustrated
1: michael man what do you got in the docket yeah man So we're still doing stardom and sit him the one and only the original not a fraud there's <laughs> there, there's, there's at least one out there and so that uh that, that's going to continue throughout super bowl the player rankings are going to be out there. Uh, wrote an article that will be out this week on why Derrick Henry is not worth a top five pick in 2021. And we're going to have a whole heck of a lot of great content there at SI. And if you go to SI Gambling, our guy Frankie Taddeo and, and, and Sean Childs, they're killing it, they're killing it. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the numbers that these guys have put up in terms of wins and losses against the spread uh, across all sports is bananas. It's bananas. I'm not telling you to put your mortgage on the line, but they, they are they are so good at what they do. So make sure you check out both SI uh, Fantasy and SI Gambling.
0: You can find that at SI Gambling to go get those picks, put them in, make some money along with Michael and the rest of us. So that's good to everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Wish you the best of luck in this divisional round, your gambling and DFS adventures. And also just have a good weekend last freaking slate of the year that we're going to have more than two games everybody soak it in not going to be too much longer before unfortunately we'll not have football to watch so soak it in he's michael fabiano i'm ian Hardis this has been the pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody